to turn to the Ephesians, the book we've been studying, the fourth chapter, please, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to catch the end of that section this morning through verse 16. Let's start at verse 11 and read down through 16. Verse 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's he who from the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, so that when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow, so that it builds its own self up in love. What a beautiful passage. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thankful for the day and your grace. Father, as I always want to do, is to call on you this morning, Father, to work the way that only you can and your people. Father, to provide the grace of the Holy Spirit working through the truth in your word so that it builds up, so that it encourages, so that it strengthens, so that people will know the love of Jesus Christ, so that people will not be tossed to and fro, so that people will live their lives in the strength and the manner that you've called them to live in Jesus. And Father, so that as we look at today, that as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we'll speak to one another in truth and love. What a great passage of scripture, Father. It kind of sorrows me that we come to the end of this section, but you've called us onward. This morning, Father, call us upward. Give us grace. Work through your Holy Spirit. Overcome my simple words. And do what only you can do in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. So glad you joined us this morning. I'm so glad for this last section and to get through this. It's um, the Lord's Day. I love the Lord's Day. I love teaching God's word. And this is just an absolutely glorious statement. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Speaking the truth in love, that's the center of the passage this morning, and that's the center of what I want to speak to you about, because it's a glorious statement that the Apostle Paul is making about really what is our responsibility to our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we speak the truth in love to them. Why? He's stating that we speak the truth in love because it matures each of the participants in that conversation, right? It grows them. Uh, it makes them more than what they could be on their own. 
it matures them. It matures them, and because it matures them, it matures the church. When we as a church, and beloved, this is what membership means and why it's so important, is that the people I'm speaking to are right here in front of me. And your brothers and sisters are right here in front of you. This is your community. This is uh, your place. This is your church. This is where you are called to be spoken to and you're called to speak the truth in love. And this is where you mature others and others as they speak truth into your life mature you. This is where we say to our brothers and sisters, it's okay if you confront me on that. And this is where we grow up and be willing to confront others. And when we do that, it lends to your growth, your brother's growth, and the church's growth. It's no mystery, those three points we're going to make this morning. Okay? It lends to your growth, your brother's growth, and the church's growth. Paul says that's what's going to happen. We're going to grow up in every way. Do you see that there in verse 15? Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And we just bounced off of this passage that we're, we're working to attain to the unity of the faith. Uh, um, through the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood. In other words, we're working in the Scriptures to be matured in the Word of God, to look and have more knowledge of the Son of God, the Jesus Christ. Listen, if you look at Christ, you're being exchanged from one moment of glory to the next into His image. The more knowledge you have of Him and what He wants for your life as a believer, you're being made more like Christ. That's what God is doing. And then we take that... And we do that, we speak the truth and love to one another. And we mature. And we grow. And when you've got a church that's good at that, boy, do you have a church. Right? When we get an open atmosphere where people are saying, well, you know, if I, if I do something or say something wrong, please come. Please bring the Bible and come and let us talk these things over. And it an accepting atmosphere when other brothers and sisters can walk in and say, uh, I need, you know, I need you to talk to me about this. That is a loving, maturing, nurturing atmosphere where everybody grows from that conversation because it's the truth, because it's love, and because it's spoken face to face. See that? That matures the church. It matures the believers below this truth separates and defines the church as a wholly different institution than any other. The church is not a political organization and speaking the truth in love is not an option for the church. We must do that. It must be present for us to mature and to grow one with another. Truth and love are the central ethics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is going to be my final admonition to show you that all you're doing is what's been done to you through the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. Truth and love, then, are the central ethics of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and therefore of the church. Speaking the truth in love, biblical truth, biblical love is speaking the truth about sin and man's greatest need to be reconciled to God, his greatest love. Now, don't get this mistaken. Every man, here, every man here today understands this speaking the truth in love, don't you? 
Every man does, right? Man, you know what I'm talking about, right? Don't you? Do you know what I'm talking about, man? You know, it's when your wife comes to you and she's got this dress on. She's getting ready to go out or go to church. She looks at you and says, hey, does this make me look? You fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah, good. Who said good? I like that. That's not what I'm talking about, guys. You're okay if you want to slide on the truth just a little bit right there. Right? But it's not an option for the church. It's not an option for the church. We must speak the truth in love to our brothers and sisters. So as we turn to this passage in Ephesians 4.15, we catch Paul here in this verse 15. You see it, that first word kind of looks out of, if we wouldn't have spent so much time in what comes before, it kind of looks out of place. He's saying rather speak the truth and speaking the truth in love. So rather kind of connects us to what was going on previously. This is where Paul starts the conversation about speaking the truth in love. He says rather, but he's reminding us about the former statement that's there in verse 14. He's saying rather than being children that are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather than being like that, church, speak the truth in love to your brothers and sisters. And, beloved, that's what happens when we're not willing to speak the truth in love to one another. We're not paying attention to Scripture, and we're bringing in worldly ideologies into the church. Because if we truly understood that we speak the truth in love to somebody, or we allow somebody to do this, that that matures us and grows us, we would welcome that and push away the things of the world. Because the world speaks flattering lies. That's all it's good at. Which is the opposite, by the way, of speaking truth in love. This is what the world does, and this is what the Christian really laments. The world writes, the world writes our own Congress writes untrue and unloving statutes that are, instead of making him for human flourishing, they're self-defeating. They write things into law that have no basis in reality or human flourishing. They write things into law that a boy can be a girl and then the rest of the world will need to call this little boy who believes he's a girl, she, her. That, that right there, beloved, is the opposite of speaking the truth in love. Calling a little boy she, her is not true and it's never loving. Calling homosexual, homosexual love is not true and is never loving. Calling abortion a choice is never going to be true and is never loving. In fact, this just illustrates the greater point of this doctrine, and that is the narrowness of this doctrine. When we speak the truth in love, we are maturing and building up the church. When we choose not to engage the lie, we allow the confusion to continue in a culture already tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. When we refuse to speak the truth, we bring confusion into the church and allow it to exist in the world around us. Don't walk away holding your tongue. Speak the truth in love, whether it's a brother or sister or somebody else. Speak the truth in love. When we choose not to address our brother's or sister's sin by speaking truth to them, we are not loving them. It's not loving to, to stay silent on a brother's sin. We're not loving them, but leaving them vulnerable in that sin. We are, beloved, we placate them. We've all done this. We're all guilty of this. Myself included. We placate them. 
We're not placating their sin, but we're placating them in their sin. You know why? We, we fear the conversation. We fear their anger. We fear their response, don't we? And this is exactly what pragmatism is. <laughs> it's the want to bring in the worldly politics instead of doing what's hard and necessary. Pragmatism is always self-centered. When I'm more afraid to confront somebody on their sin than I am because of the response, I'm more worried about me than their sin. That's when love takes an exit out the door. That's not loving, and it's certainly not true. Being pragmatic says, I don't want to get in a tight spot with that person. I can, if I just handle this correctly, but Paul says that speaking the truth in love is the only correct way to handle every situation with a brother or sister. When we do this, we're not practicing love, we're practicing politics and pragmatism. When we are not being the church, we are acting like the world. When we are not loving, we are looking out for number one and being self-centered. When we are not speaking about the glorious works of forgiveness found in the gospel while confronting a brother or sister's sin, we're thinking about our own life. We're being self-centered. So the reason Paul emphasizes speaking the truth in love is because he's pointing to a greater reality of the gospel. It's only in the gospel can the work of Christ mature a man by reconciling him even further to God and to the love of God. The maturity is life. That is the ultimate mature point of the working out of the truth of God in the gospel, the speaking the truth in love. If I got up here every Sunday and I did not speak the truth from Scripture to you in love, you guys would be probably throwing bananas or something at me, wouldn't you? You wouldn't put up with it for very long. We've got to speak the truth in love because what grows us and matures us. So how do we do that? That should be your next question. How do we do that? Well, there's three requisites, or only three that I'm going to deal with this morning. First of all, it has to be the truth, right? Speaking, uh, um, let's not pass that. Speaking the truth in love requires that we know truth. Does that make sense? Speaking the truth in love requires that we know truth. The second thing is the motivation has to be love. The motivation has to be love. And the third thing is, beloved, I know this is simple, but let's not go past it. It has to be spoken. Right? And that the implication of that is face-to-face. -face. Right? That's the hardest place to do that, isn't it? Speak the truth in love, face-to-face. -face. Whenever we do this, it adds to your growth, your brother's growth, and the church's growth. So we need truth, we need to be motivated by love, and we have to be going, willing to go and to speak. First, let's deal with truth just momentarily. Speaking the truth in love means we have to be sure that the things we're speaking about are true. Right? We have to be sure that the things we're speaking about are true or are biblical. Pilate asked Jesus a question. Turn with me to John chapter 18 very quickly. John chapter 18. When he was judging Jesus... He asked Jesus this question. John chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 33. John chapter 18, verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters, and he called Jesus, and he said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, 
you say this of your own accord, or did somebody teach you this? Verse 35, Pilate answers to them, Am I a Jew? It's your own nation. It's the chief of priests that have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom's not of this world. For if it was this world, my servants would be fighting. That I might not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Verse 37, you could see Pilate thinking. He's trying to understand why these Jews would bring Jesus to him, right? Why would those Jews do this to their king, one who they claim or that he claims to be their king? Verse 37, Pilate, in an interest to try to get down to the truth here, says this. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, well, you say that I am king. Here's the key. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? You see something very key here about truth. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. Truth then accords with all the mind, will, character, and glory of God. Everything that Jesus is, truth is. Everything that God has revealed, truth is. Everything that aligns with the mind, will, character, and glory of God is what truth is. Just go over a couple more verses, or a couple pages. John chapter 17. Let's look at verses 16 and 17 and 19. John chapter 17, 16 and through 17 and 19. Now, you know this passage of Scripture. In the first part of it, Jesus is praying, praying for his disciples. And this is what he says. This is the central part of his prayer in verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, not only all that accords with the mind, will, and character of God is true, but God's word is completely true. And what Jesus is saying here is, I don't want you to take them out of the world. I know that they're going to have trouble. They're going to have difficulty. Things are going to be really difficult. But when things are difficult, things are hardest, things are the worst they ever could be, persecutions at its highest, I want you to sanctify them in your word because your word is truth. It's the word of God, beloved, that grows us. It's the word of God that keeps us. It's the word of God that encourages us. God's word from beginning to end is true. Do you see what it says there in verse 19? And for their sake, he says, I consecrate myself that they also might be sanctified in the truth. Jesus wants us to have truth. He wants us to speak truth. And truth sanctifies those who are of Christ. R.C. Sproul says this about this little passage. Jesus does not pray for the temporal well-being of his disciples, but for their sanctification, that they may be set apart for God as holy, consecrated for their holy mission. Truth is the means by which holiness is attained. Error and deception are basic to evil, and truth is basic to godliness. Right? It's truth, beloved, that we need. Not placating platitudes that put off, that put off, put for a later date, because whatever you believe that you're putting off in your brother or sister or believe that you're placating is coming back at a different day. 
Because that's what God is doing to us. Do you see? He's refining those things out of us. He's like, a, uh, the scripture tells us he is a continual burning fire. And he's refining every believer here. Through persecution, through the reading of the word, through praying, and through us, beloved. When you speak truth to me, and when I speak truth to you, we are maturing up into the head that is Christ. We're maturing ourselves, we're maturing our brother and sister, and we're maturing the church. And the truth, beloved, is all that's going to satisfy that action or your heart. It's all that will satisfy your brother or sister. Anything else is going to come off as flim-flam, as not genuine, as placating, as something that doesn't quite fix anything. You ever try that? You've tried that, right? We, we know that because we've gone to people and tried to smooth things over without bringing the truth with us. That's neither true nor love, and it does not mature a person at all. It just makes the situation worse. Acts 2.42 said they desired the apostles' teaching. Those new believers there in Acts 2.41 that day, uh, the 3,000 who received the word of, the, of Peter's preaching, they desired the apostles' teaching. Psalms 119.2, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. It's with my whole heart I'm seeking the truth of God. Let me not wander from your commandments. Psalms 119.34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. It's the only thing that will work in the heart of the believer. Why? Because speaking the truth in love is almost always about addressing difficult issues regarding sin. Either sin or some pattern of life or some difficulty to you see your brother or sister getting into. It's about dress, addressing a behavior or a pattern of behavior that is not befitting of the saint of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the hope is to turn them around, right? To show them the error of their ways, to cause them to turn and to flourish in life and grow in Christ. And if they're truly a brother or sister, if you go with the motivation of love, I promise you this, that they will listen to you and they will be matured by you. The word always works. The word always does what God intended it to do. And you can go. I know it may be fearful, beloved. But if you go in prayer with truth and in love, with the motivation of love, it will be received as such. I stuck my nose into a lot of marriages. And I've said to a lot of young men, listen, you're not doing it right, brother. There's some things we need to talk about if you call yourself a Christian. And I've been really fearful at times of doing that. But you know, not one time did I have somebody slam the door in my face and say, get out of here, Pastor. When it comes in the motivation of love, that's unmistakable. You know why? Because it's a sinner in the heart of the gospel. The gospel says you're a horrific sinner. But I love you enough to tell you that truth. And here's a Jesus who can save you. You get that? That's exactly what you're doing when you go to your brother or sister. Don't rob them of that, beloved. Don't rob them of the gift you have to give of truth brought to them in love. Don't do that. Because you're hurting them, you're hurting yourself, and you're hurting the church. 
This is why truth is so necessary, because in speaking the truth in love to them, you are not only growing them, but growing yourself. Speaking the truth is not easy. I'll never say that. And the work it requires will make you more aware, more confident in the truth. Right? If you're going to somebody, you're going to make sure that you know what's true is true. When you engage a brother or sister in truth, you will sharpen yourself. It will sharpen you because if your brother or sister hears that truth, they're going to have questions. If they respond in a right manner, they're going to have questions and it will be an opportunity for both of you to sit down and look and see what the scripture is so that you make one another stronger and in doing so the church becomes stronger. You see that? Speaking in truth and love will also increase your humility. It will make you more humble, beloved. Listen to me. You cannot speak the truth in love that has not first done its perfect work in you. When you go and you reach out to somebody, it's usually because that same passage has done that work in you or that same behavior has been confronted in you. So it's in that we see our own sinfulness and our own humility. Speaking in truth and love them will increase your humility. You cannot <clears throat> speak that truth unless it's done. It's perfect work in you first. And when you go, you do so knowing that the gospel and work of Christ has first shaped you in this same manner. So, <clears throat> that's truth. And that manner, when it brings you humility, creates the motivation. The motivation that we need is love. The motivation then for speaking the truth and seeking the welfare and growth and maturity of your brother or sister then is and only can be love. When you go to speak the truth in love, it's not about easy things you go to the person for. Things that cause growth are almost always not the easy things to address. The motivation has to be love. It has to be Christ-like concern and love motivated uh, that we find in the gospel. And it motivates us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's out of the motivation of love that we bring these truths to those who we bring them to. It is a way for you to show your love for your brother or sister is to confront them with the truth. And then finally, not only does it have to be true, not only does it have to be motivated by love, but it's got to be spoken. And I think this may be, uh, these, this is just as equal to truth and love in this little passage. You can't, you can't not speak. You can't bring it to them if you don't say it to them, right? It has to be something in action that the believer takes. It has to be spoken. Turn with me then, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in the verse 15. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, but I think it kind of brings all this together. I'm praying that it does for you this morning. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Go and tell with words, right? <laughs> How much simpler does this get? 
go in a private conversation and speak to that brother. It doesn't say write a letter, right? It doesn't say tell somebody else so that they can tell him. It doesn't say make a post on Facebook. It doesn't say any of those things that make it easy to speak something to somebody else. What does it say? It says, go. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. In 2 Thessalonians 3.15, it says the same thing. It says, don't regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. He's not your enemy. He's your brother. Warn him in truth and love about what's going on. James 5, 19 to 20 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, I like this picture of wandering from the truth. We all do that from time to time, don't we? We wander from the truth. If anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Luke 17, 3 through 4 says this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forget. That's cathartic, isn't it? That, that makes us stronger. Whenever you face the hard things, beloved, somebody testified to this this morning. When you step off in faith and test and do the hard things, you become a better believer. You become stronger. And not only do you become stronger, but you make the other person stronger. And in that, the church grows. Luke, Leviticus 19.17 says, Don't hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Ooh. If you know he's doing it, do you see that? you see where that's headed? And I don't have time to chase it all the way this morning. But does it become sin for you to keep your mouth shut and look the other way? I think it is because it's not loving. I think it is because it's not loving. So it's just a little bit of an illustration here. I want to show you this in real life. Can I do that? You guys want to take enough time to do that? All right. I need to call some people up front. Liz Raymer, will you come up? Roberta, can you come up and stand with us? Miss Elisa, will you come up front with us for a minute? Okay. Who else do we have here that I normally have? Uh, Miss Connie, you're normally there. Please come. Miss Donna Whipke, please come. Just stand right down here in front. Who else? Miss Heather. Where's Doris at this morning? How's she feeling? Is she all right? Come on down, ladies. I can't step away from the microphone or people on tape won't hear us. If you guys will just stand in front here. And I don't want to leave anybody out. Miss Denise is usually there. She's not here today. These uh, ladies, and there's a couple more of them. Miss Elisa's here. She just can't come down. That's fine. But you know what? I see these ladies once a week on Wednesday night. In fact, we meet so regular that if you were paying attention, you might call your pastor and say, hey, why do you meet with those girls so often? 
I'm serious. We meet once a week, don't we, ladies? We meet once a week in that little room back there in the church, and we call it prayer meeting. It usually goes way too long because we do a Bible study and then we pray, don't we, Miss Elisa? And what one thing could we benefit most from on Wednesday night? The men of this church joining these ladies. You know, we speak the truth in love for a minute. Beloved men, sitting here today, watching later. We need you in prayer meeting. These ladies want you in prayer meeting. I want you, your pastor wants you in prayer meeting. The health of this church relies on us being and praying together. And you say to me, I know what the first thing is going to be said. I love you too much not to tell you, okay? The first thing you're going to say is, well, I do pray for the church. And I'm sure you do. I also pray for my wife and my son. But do you know what? When I pray with my wife and my son, it means much more to them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Especially you men who want to be in leadership of this church, you need to come pray with these ladies. Or perhaps you have a problem with them. It would bless our hearts to see prayer meeting fill up. Our community needs a church that is speaking the truth in love. You guys can go back and sit down. I'm sorry to bother you all so much. They're so faithful. I, would, I just wanted to call out their faithfulness this morning more than anything. But I also wanted to speak the truth in love. Beloved, we need you. We need you to be who God called you to be. And why is this so important? Because the gospel, that's the law. I just gave you the law, right? I, that's twisting on your heart. It's, mm, right? It's digging in deep. But here's the gospel. Here's the grace. Because we all, listen to me, we all need the grace. And the grace is that Jesus died so that we can make mistakes. Jesus died because we're weak. Jesus died because we need forgiveness. John the Baptist said when he, when he went into the area of Judea, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, one chapter later in the book of Matthew said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it is in that statement. It's in that little pithy statement that we hear all of the gospel, that we hear everything that is loving and truthful about speaking the truth in love to our brothers and sisters. The first word, repent. The first word says you are an awful, wretched sinner. You better turn from your sins to Jesus Christ. And the second part of that statement says, I am your king. If you will call me Lord and believe upon my name, I will save you from your sins. That's law and grace. We need both. We need the conviction of the law and there's no way that we can climb out of that hole unless we have the grace to lift us up. Amen. Beloved, you've got a chance. You want to be a part? You want to see this church thrive? Join us. I'm speaking the truth in love. If you've got something to say to your pastor, 
Bring it to me, beloved. It's going to make us stronger. And if I've got something to say to you, as you, some of you already know, I promise that I'll be there. I love you that much. It is your good word of the gospel spoken in love that builds others up. When you come to your brother or sister and say, repent, you can say, because Jesus died to give you that grace. This is why you go to your brother or sister to speak the truth in love. Because there's hope in the gospel, beloved. Because we can be forgiven. Because there's forgiveness of sins. But it only comes in the truth and love of the gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Time and time again, Father, I rejoice at what you've called me to. I rejoice in these saints at Park Bible Baptist Church. As we go through the hard things together, this is what I know, that iron sharpens iron and that you're refining us and making us stronger. And this I know two things come from, is that your glory will be seen and this community will be affected. That's my prayer, that as you're refining this church, that others will see your glory and this community will know your love. Forgive us, Father, where we fall short. We've all done it. We fail to speak the truth in love. But, Father, remind us all so often that somebody spoke the truth in love to us. They dealt with the hard things so that we can have the good things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if my men...